0: Welcome to the sermon podcast from Free School Court Church in Bridgend. This podcast features sermons from the Bible, which are recorded at our Sunday services each week. To find out more, please visit our website, freeschoolcourt.org.uk, or find us on social media. At that point, it seems that Jesus kind of fades once again into the background He goes off into the wilderness where he stays for 40 days as he's tempted um, there uh, by the devil and as the angels there care for him. And we wonder what might happen next. Well, it seems that Jesus was waiting for the moment to once again step into the limelight. And that moment comes in verse 14 when John is arrested Verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. When John is removed out of this situation. Jesus knows that it is now his time to step forward. And it's at this point that Jesus does what maybe we expected him to do in the first place, which is he comes and he preaches. He comes into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God god and what is that good news what is the message that jesus comes to proclaim? well verse 15 the message is that the time has come he said the kingdom of god has come near repent and believe the good news this is the message that jesus comes preaching the message is the time has come now those of you who have young children or have had young children no doubt will find yourself saying a lot um it's time to go the time's come we've got to go i'm sure you feel like you spend half your life saying that we've got to go we've got to go and that's a kind of a difficult thing to say isn't it it's time to go we've got to go it's always a struggle but there's a different time um there's a different sort of um saying of that isn't there the time has come and The one that we all love I'm sure is when it's time to go on holiday how different it is between it's time to go to school and it's time to go on holiday I remember as a kid never getting out of bed in the mornings when your parents are shouting at you but then five o'clock in the morning comes and it's time to go on holiday then you spring out of bed and you're ready to go why because the time that you have been longing for has come it's time to go on your summer holidays the time has come the longings are fulfilled. And that's what Jesus is saying here. The time has come. The Old Testament, all of the, the promises, all of the, the longings from there, the time has come. We think of um, people that we've been studying in the various um, groups in church. We think of um, Sarah and Abraham. they longing for a child. And even being advanced in age when the promise was first made. Still, the years and years that they had to wait, those longings going unfulfilled. We think of Hannah, the same as we've been looking at 1 Samuel, the years that went by, the years of longing. And then the time came when the children of promise were born. We think of that um, Christmas carol, the line, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Think of the the last lines of the Magnificat, Mary's song as she was um, given the glorious news about the coming saviour that was to be her son. She said, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The message that Jesus brings is that the hopes, the longings, the promises of all of the scriptures that we've seen so far, of the, the all of human history. The time has come for these to start being fulfilled. The time has come, as he says, for the kingdom of God to come near. What does that mean? It means that the time has come for God himself to come and be king of his people. As I mentioned in the evening Uh, services we've been going through the book of one samuel we're through the early chapters and hopefully in a in a few months or a few weeks hopefully not years but we will reach one samuel chapter eight and in one samuel chapter eight samuel is by now an older man he's ruling over israel and the people come to him and they tell him that they want a king god tells samuel don't take this personally it's not you that they've rejected it's me that they have rejected God has been rejected as their king. People don't want God to be their king. They want a human king like the other nations have. And so God does give them a king. He gives them first Saul and then he gives them King David. And to that king, he gives a promise. The promise he gives that king is that one of his descendants one day would sit on his throne forever And ever, and ever. One day would come a king who would be king forever. One day a king would come who was a man, but who was also God himself. One day God himself would come to be king of his people. And when Jesus arrives, he says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. What does that mean? It means he has arrived. Jesus has arrived. The kingdom of God has come near because Jesus, God himself, has come near. And as the kingdom of God comes near, this is not something passive. This is something active, and it's God's action. Again, it is God who has come near. And what does Jesus say the only right response to the kingdom of God coming near is? Well, again, verse 15, it's to repent and to believe the good news. The only right response is to repent and to believe the good news. Why? Why is that the right response? Why is the right response to the kingdom of God coming near, to repent and to believe the good news? Well, it's because of what the kingdom of God coming near means. What does it mean that the kingdom of God has come near? What does it mean that in Jesus, God has come near to be king over his people? Well, we see it in the verses that follow this first message that jesus preaches and the first thing that we see is that the kingdom of god coming near means salvation and judgment the kingdom of god coming near means salvation and judgment look with me at verses 14 to 20. after john was put in prison jesus went into galilee proclaiming the good news of god the time has come he said the kingdom of god has come near repent and believe the good news As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him god was coming in jesus to judge the people and to save from judgment the message of god coming near to be king over his people was that he was going to judge he was going to judge all of his enemies all those who had rejected him all those who had turned away from him and save all those who repented from sin all who turned from sin and turned to him and we see something of this in the call of the disciples, as these first disciples are called by uh, the Sea of Galilee. Jesus tells them, doesn't he, that he's going to make them fishers of men. And we think of that as Jesus calling them to go and be evangelists, to go and be people who would share the gospel. And that's true. Jesus is calling them to share the same message that he is preaching. But that message is one of salvation, yes but it's also a message of judgment. And when the language of fishing is used in the Old Testament, that's the context in which it is used. Salvation and judgment, these things go together. If you want something to do this afternoon, look at Jeremiah 16, Ezekiel 29, Ezekiel 38. All of those are references to fishing that are in the context of judgment. Jesus comes, the kingdom of God comes, And that means judgment, but also salvation. And how is salvation found? How are are you to be saved from the coming judgment? Well, it's to recognize your need, your sin, repent, as Jesus says, and instead trust in him. Jesus was calling these disciples to prepare them to one day send them out to preach this same message of both judgment and salvation it's worth noticing as Jesus calls these disciples the authority that he has that he simply says the word and they follow after him they do straight away immediately they follow after him and we can only put that down to the authority in in Jesus as he calls them to follow him and the Holy Spirit's work in their hearts I think there are still some children here and I wonder children how Quickly you respond to your parents when they call to you to come and uh, to do something for them. Well, it's important, isn't it, that you um, follow after them quickly and do what your parents tell you to do. But even more important than that is listening to the call of Jesus, the truth of the Bible, to, to follow after Jesus. This is the most important thing in the world, When we heard about John early in the Gospel of Mark, we heard that the message that John preached was Jesus. Jesus was the message that John preached. And the message is the same again when Jesus comes. The message that Jesus brings is not self-help talk. Jesus doesn't come saying, here are three steps to living a better life. Jesus doesn't come uh, uh, preaching a little TED talk on how to do this or that. Jesus comes and the message is Himself. Mark doesn't explain for us in black and white terms what it means that the kingdom of God draws near, but He does show us by showing us what Jesus is doing. Mark does not tell us in detail what Jesus preached as He was preaching, but He shows us what Jesus did. We saw how as the kingdom of God draws near, it means judgment. salvation. Another thing that we see is spiritual victory. As the kingdom of God draws near, we see spiritual victory. Look with me at verses 21 to 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Jesus comes, and as he comes, he wins spiritual victory. He has authority over the demons and the impure spirits. And this is a distinctly godlike thing to do, and yet it's done by Jesus. Um, Back, um, I think it's less common now, but it used to be very common that car insurance policies would have um, uh, things in them which made exceptions for what were called acts of God. Acts of God. And these were things that weren't done by man. So if your car got struck by lightning, or if a tree fell on your car when it was parked on the driveway, that was classed as an act of God, and then your insurance wouldn't pay out, and it wouldn't cover you. They were things that couldn't be done by man and as jesus comes he comes doing things that only god could do having authority over these impure spirits and demons and jesus teaches again in the synagogue and he teaches with authority but mark does not tell us exactly what he says but rather shows us what he did we told he taught with authority not as the teachers of the law It wasn't with speculation or with appeals to to, to tradition. Jesus taught with authority. No doubt he declared about how in him all the prophecies were being fulfilled. No doubt he was telling them that the time had come for all of those things to be fulfilled. In Luke chapter 4, we're told that when Jesus went into one of the synagogues, he sat down and all that he did was he picked up the Old Testament scriptures Turn to Isaiah 61 and read these following verses. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Jesus read those words and then said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And that scripture is exactly what it means that the kingdom of God has come near. It's the day of the Lord's favor, but it's a day of vengeance and judgment. It's a day where there's freedom from the capt- for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. And that's exactly what we see here in Mark. That's exactly what we're shown Jesus did as he um, freed those people from the impure spirits and the demons. It's a demonstration of exactly who Jesus is. That he's God come as man. And that he's God to um, come to earth to bring God's kingdom to earth. God's kingdom being a place where sin is punished, his people are saved. Spiritual victory is won over all the forces of evil. I'm sure we've all met people whose favourite thing to talk about is themselves. Hopefully we aren't people like that ourselves, but I'm sure we all know people who have that tendency, having a conversation with them, and they turn everything to be about themselves. And it's painful. Jesus proclaims the gospel the good news of God, and it is this it's Himself. But He does it not in a self centered or a self absorbed way, but in a self giving way. Looking to those around Him, serving them, saving them. Mark is keen to show us that Jesus' message is the kingdom of God come near. And He shows it to us by simply showing us what Jesus did. Jesus came preaching a message of judgment and salvation. Jesus came bringing spiritual victory over the forces of evil. And he also came bringing victory over sicknesses. We see sicknesses healed. Verses 29 to 34. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. It's not just spiritual when Jesus comes, but physical as well. He heals um, physical diseases and sicknesses of Peter's, Simon Peter's mother in law, and then all those who come to them at the door. And we're told, verse 33, that the whole town gathered at the door. Jesus responds with compassion, healing their diseases, driving out demons. And yet he orders silence from the demons, verse 34, because they know who he is. Why does Jesus forbid the demons and the evil spirits to speak, to speak about who he is? Well, I think verse 35 to 39 gives us a clue as to what is going on. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus has come for a specific purpose. And Jesus has come to fulfil that specific purpose in a specific way. He doesn't want to be, on the one hand, crowned ahead of time. And he doesn't want to be killed ahead of time. It has to be done in the right way at the right time. If the people got their way, no doubt, some of them would have wanted to make him king, would have wanted um, to, to make him their leader, wanted to make him the leader of a revolution. And others we know, even from early on in his ministry, wanted to kill him because of what he was doing. They knew he was going to upset things for them. They knew that he was... Um, doing these things which they considered to be blasphemy. He was claiming to be God because he was God, but they couldn't see that. And Jesus doesn't want to be crowned or killed until the time is right. And so he de-escalates these situations. He doesn't allow the demons to speak about him until the time is right. And so he turns away. He withdraws to the wilderness, to a, a desolate place. A solitary place, verse 35. And it's the same word as the word for wilderness earlier on in chapter 1. He turns aside to pray in a quiet place. It's easy for us to forget, I think, sometimes, that Jesus did all of this as one who was God, yes, but one who was a true and real man. He would have felt the, the physical burden of all of these people coming to him. He would have felt the psychological burden, the emotional Exhaustion of dealing with so many troubled people. And his, he would have felt the temptation of popularity as well, just as the uh, the devil tempted him in the wilderness. So in the towns, the temptation would have been the popularity and plaudits of the people. And in the face of all of these things, he turns aside to the wilderness to pray to his father. He turns once again to, to receive heavenly food from his father to sustain him through his earthly ministry there are valid applications i can make about the need for us to draw aside and to pray at this point but i want to focus instead on jesus and his uniqueness and what exactly he is doing here he forbids the demons to speak and he withdraws from the town and then moves on to the next town to de-escalate the to continue to serve as many people as he can until the time is right, until the time comes. He wants to preach, as he says, to as many people as possible. That is why he came, not to stay in one place and get all the plaudits from the people. And so, verse 39, he moves on and the passage comes full circle. In verse 14, where we started, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. And in verse 39, we're told, he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and driving out demons. You see in these verses that Jesus is the servant king, the one who came to earth to bring God's kingdom to earth. And he does it by serving. He does it slowly, intentionally, compassionately, and progressively until it reaches the crescendo. And the crescendo of this is at the cross. It's at the cross where the king is crowned. There on the cross with the crown of thorns. In the ultimate moment of service and sacrifice as he gives his life, it's there that the kingdom of God comes. It's there that we see salvation and judgment. It's there that we see spiritual victory. Jesus takes the punishment. from God the Father the wrath that he has for all sin all rejection of him upon himself there Jesus dies paying the ultimate price for sin there Jesus defeats all the spiritual forces of evil it's there as he dies on the cross that the kingdom comes bringing spiritual victory and bringing salvation for all who trust in him Jesus came to bring full salvation for all who trust in him. We see in these verses, don't we, how people are coming to him with physical issues. And Jesus responds compassionately to all. But Jesus came for more than that. Jesus came for more than just to heal those physical diseases of the people who came to him. He came to save. He came to bring true and everlasting life. Many of those people who he healed would no doubt have died. Well, all of them would have died, and some would have died without hope, without eternal hope, without eternal life. And so what about us? Do we understand that that is why Jesus came for full salvation and nothing less? I wonder what view you have of Jesus. Is Jesus like your spiritual genie? Do you just look to him and wanting things from Him is Jesus only useful to you if He makes your life better, or is Jesus the One who has given Himself for you that you might have life? That you might give yourself to Him in response, that you might have those um, those blessings of salvation that we started our time together this morning with, that we have adoption. And because we have adoption, we are heirs of the coming kingdom. We're children of the living God, along with Christ, along with Jesus. And so we are heirs of the kingdom of God about which we are speaking, if we are trusting in Jesus. The only way to get this, the only right way to respond to Jesus, is, as he said, with repentance and faith, to turn from sin, to realize that we have rejected God in the way that we live. We have not lived up to his standards. We've gone our own way. And because of that, we're under judgment. We've rejected a perfect and holy God. We've rejected a God of life. And so we've chosen judgment and death. But he has made a way for us to be saved. To find um, adoption. To find life. And following Jesus, as we see in this passage, means um, also, well, literally following him. And it means serving him. We see that in the disciples, don't we? When they're called by Jesus, they follow after him. We see it in Simon Peter's mother-in-law. As she is raised up, as she is healed by Jesus, she goes straight to serving him. So I wonder this morning, what is your response to Jesus? What is your response to the kingdom of God? Are you in or out Are you in the kingdom of God through faith in Christ? Or are you outside the kingdom of God? Are you inside the kingdom of God as children of the living God and as as heirs of the kingdom? Or are you outside the kingdom of God as God's enemies and under judgment? There is no other option, no other choice. And frankly, why would we want anything else? The gospel truly is good news. Why would we not want Jesus and all the blessings that are ours? In him salvation and life now and spiritual victory and sicknesses healed when he returns i think it's worth asking the question at this point why does jesus not heal all diseases and sicknesses now we saw jesus come the kingdom of god in him come and he comes bringing spiritual victory he comes bringing sicknesses healed so why do we not see that now You might be wondering, why am I struggling with this physical illness? Well, we need to understand the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Jesus has come near, and he brought with it signs of the kingdom of God, which was spiritual victory and sicknesses healed. But he also came preaching that message of salvation and judgment. And he is patient. He doesn't want any to perish. None of the ones who God has set his love on will perish. And so he's patient. He's patient, giving us chance to, to come to him by his grace and by the leading of his spirit. Today is the day of salvation. We can all come to him, even this morning, in repentance and faith. But after that will come the day of judgment. And these things have to come together, judgment and and sicknesses healed you see judgment will once and for all banish sin from this world all who um, are not trusting in him will be punished sins will be punished and the world will be remade holy and perfect and right and for that to be true there cannot be any um, any little bit of sin left in the world God has to punish all sin and remove it From the new heavens and the new earth. And um, as part of that, there will be no more sicknesses, there'll be no more suffering and no more pain. But healing and renewal comes with judgment. Those things go together. You see, all suffering and sickness is ultimately the result of sin, the result of living in a broken world, and will one day all be put right. And when that happens, it will be because God has come and judged sin and has remade the world. But until then, he is patient, not wanting any of his chosen ones to perish. And that is why we do not see all sicknesses healed today. But today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we can come to Christ, receive life in him, receive relationship with God in him, receive adoption to be children of the living God, to become heirs of that coming kingdom where there will be full renewal, full restoration, everything will be perfect. And the only response that we can have to this is to repent and to trust in him, to follow after him obediently as his children, not to win his affections, but because of his affection for us. In Christ, the kingdom of God comes near. Let's pray.